We Saw Thing is a movie podcast about remakes and sequels. In preparation for Terminator, Dark Fate, being released this weekend, Jay and Chris watch Terminator 2, Judgment Day, released in 1991. We saw a thing and talked about it. You don't say affirmative. You say, no problema. And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on, it's hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. The following conversation has been edited for brevity. Oh my God. Chris, this freaking movie. (laughs) Is this a movie you love? The older I get, the better this movie is. Really? Really. These movies do nothing for me. But this is Terminator 2, man. How does this movie do nothing for you? Uh, All these movies end up being exactly the same. It's just a lot of chase sequences and and a ton of dialogue as exposition. And they all end in the same way in a we're fighting to save the future and then nothing ever changes because if they actually save the future, there would not be any sequels. So there's never any stakes to these movies. But this is Terminator 2. I don't even understand how you don't like it. I don't. This is Terminator 2. This is groundbreaking effects. For sure. This is incredible dialogue. This is the best Arnold Schwarzenegger will ever get in his entire career as an actor. This is Terminator 2. Yeah, it's it's a prime example of everything that's wrong with James Cameron's storytelling to me. It it encapsulates literally every part of what makes him, in my opinion, a bad storyteller. What do you have against this story? It's boring. It's a really boring story. I I am like I'm like my jaw is on the ground right now, Chris. <laughs> did you not know this about me? I did not know this going into this. Terminator, they're not anything I get excited about. Uh, it's just a loop. It's just constantly a loop. So it just it takes all the the tension out of it. It takes all and, and they because they tell the story in the exact same way every time too. Like it's just they're not interesting to me. And and maybe the new one is going to be interesting and amazing and people are going to enjoy it. And I'm sure it'll make a ton of money. But like. I just, I don't care. I really don't care. When James Cameron attaches his name to something, I've learned over my adult life to care less and less. I mean, I really don't know what to say. Like, (laughs) this is not Genesis or Salvation or Terminator 3. This is a goddamn work of art. Mm, Wow, that that is a statement. (laughs) This is not a statement. This is... This movie has some of the best paced action. This movie has some of the best set pieces ever. It was the first one to flip the genre because the Terminator was a bad guy in the first one. So you get all this new character development from Linda Hamilton, who is terrified when she sees the Terminator, thinking he's coming to kill her, not save her. And then you've got John, who's in charge of keeping this Terminator alive, and it's the only father figure he's ever known. And the best out of any Terminator movie, you get the goddamn T-1000 that is one of the greatest, scariest, unstoppable villains since Jaws. Okay, I will say that there are a lot of things about this movie that hold up better than I expected, given how old it is, right? It's a movie that came out in 1991. 
it looks really good. Clearly, the CGI is dated, but like the the filming of it and the pacing of some of the action scenes, you're right, it it holds up. James Cameron was very groundbreaking on a lot of the things we take for granted now as far as like those kinds of paced moments. And he's very good at knowing where to put a camera to make those moments very effective and, and larger than life. But it doesn't change the fact that there's no tension involved in them. If at no point do you believe that any of your characters are in any real danger, then it, none of it matters, right? Like, it, you can give me a 20-minute set piece where they're driving through the streets of L.A., and at no point do I feel like any of them are in any danger of anything bad happening to them. So, it's sure, it's eye candy, but that's really what James Cameron has proven to be good at, is a lot of eye candy and not not a ton to back it up. I genuinely disagree I do not see that. And maybe that's the sequels that you see in your brain when you're watching this movie or something. But there is so much tension in every action scene and every chase scene. The scene with the shotgun and he yanks him off his dirt bike and the dirt bike goes under the truck and then the truck gets blasted out. And T-1000 smashes the windshield with no give a shit about anybody. There is danger all around in this movie i constantly am scared for linda hamilton being in that asylum like there's everything is tense and and appropriate and they build on horror action and drama like you are rooting for these characters i'm not talking about the sequels because i agree with you everything past this point is rinse and repeat but this is a hundred percent different to me. This is you give a shit about the characters. Like when, when Arnold is half dead with that spike through him, he's just a machine, but he's so much more. And you know, when he gets to say hasta la vista, you, I cheer. This movie is incredible. I didn't buy a lot of those moments because I don't think the acting was good enough. I thought Linda Hamilton was quite good. I thought that whoever it was who played John Connor was awful and took me out of every scene. He was so whiny and his line delivery was really terrible. And most of the time when he opened his mouth, I was like, well, here comes more exposition. I didn't enjoy him as a character. I didn't enjoy him as an actor. And he took me out of basically every scene he was in, which let's be honest, is a lot of this movie. And Arnold Schwarzenegger just didn't have a ton to do. He just had to, like, even in those set pieces, like, we'll take the the big piece at the end where all the cops are surrounding the place. And, and he just, like, goes to an open window and he just stands there and shoots at a bunch of things. Like, there there is a full set piece in this movie where he stands perfectly still with a bunch of guns and, and you know, grenade launchers and stuff. And I just don't find that interesting or exciting. He is a machine. I, I feel like characters can be more developed than that. And, and action scenes can be more developed than that. It was just the Terminators just go through. That's all they do. And that just gets boring to watch after a while. This is the best thing for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Eh. The man can barely act. <laughs> Fair. Give him a machine role where he his whole purpose is to just be stoic not say anything, just do what he's told, and very, very faceless. This is the best role he could ever have. Oh, it's it's inspired casting. Chris, I... Okay, okay, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Are you telling me you didn't get revved up? The very beginning of this movie, 
when Arnold walks naked into a bar. No. Why Why bother? That's a thing we'd already seen in the first one. Who cares? Because it's awesome! Is it? Is it, though? Yes! I don't know that it is. Oh, oh, they get transported back in time and they're naked. Uh. But now it's two machines instead of, like, the father of John, who he was from the future, comes to the past, impregnates Sarah in the first one. And the difference between Sarah in the first film to the second film is glorious. Yeah, but that's a that's a weird time loop thing that doesn't make any sense to me either. Why? Without the future where John exists, his best friend can't travel back in time and impregnate his mom with him. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Let me let me understand this. Let me understand this. So John realizes that he's his mother's going to die. So he sends his best guy back. Yes. That best guy is not supposed to impregnate Sarah. Sarah's supposed to find somebody else. He finds Sarah and they have sex and gets pregnant then and then dies. So using end game time travel logic so far, that's all plausible. No. Yes. No, because it's not. everything that happens in their future is their past. If we start time with John in the future, sending his best friend back in time and we discount everything that was happening with his mother in the past, sure, that logic will make sense to me. I'll go with it. John doesn't exist to send his best friend back in time to impregnate his mother. No, because it, John has different fathers. What? How does that make any sense? Future John has a different father than who he turns out to be when the other one goes back and impregnates his mom. Well, then how is he still John? How is it? He's not still John. It's a different John now. Okay, so what if he sends his best friend back and John's now got different colored hair or something? She names him Trevor. Is he still the, the leader of the resistance? I think he's still the leader of the resistance, yes, because like... That's all he's being trained to do. You're talking about a time travel scenario where everything is predetermined and nobody has any free will to do anything. Which, to be fair, as I'm as this is popping out of my mouth, this that is the point of these movies. Aha! Your choices are not written in fate. There is no fate. What I'm reading from the time travel loop of these movies is that we don't get to change anything that everything is just it's it's just going to sit on its loop and you're going to follow whatever path is already laid out for you and you don't get to change it and so that was the thing that didn't make any sense to me where they're like oh we can make our own fate we can change things these whole all of these movies all they've done is prove that that's not a thing that's possible but they did no they didn't how did they change they didn't change anything did you not see three they saved the universe at the end of two and then New assholes do the thing with Skynet. And it's a totally different future that still ends in chaos. It still ends the same way, though. So they didn't actually change anything. That's that's what I mean, where there's we get we've had other stories where they've shown us that no matter what path you walk down, the end result always ends up being the same. So time loops back and it ends up at the same result and you can deviate on the path a little bit, but you end up in the same spot. So I feel like these movies are super inconsistent about that kind of storytelling. No, man, it's time travel. It can be anything you want look this future that john's in in terminator 2 is changed because when he sends the terminator back to to his future his former self they stop the apocalypse it doesn't go down the same way and then in terminator 3 when john's older 
then shit gets real again, but they miss 1997. It seems very convenient that they can be inconsistent in their storytelling and that the defense of that is, well, they can do whatever they want. (laughs) Well, it's time travel. You can do whatever you want. No, for sure. That's fine. But if you're world building to talk about these kinds of things, I feel like that's what nerd culture is, is to be like, well, you built a world with certain rules. Then you just decided those rules didn't count anymore so you could make a sequel. That's crappy. I am still really disappointed that you did not like this movie. It was fine. But apparently not. Apparently it was like hot trash because the time loop. It's not hot garbage. Like there's certainly some redeeming elements to it. The cinematography is pretty good. The soundtrack is hot garbage. I think the soundtrack is the thing that holds up least. The iconic score of Terminator 2 is hot garbage. Yeah, it is the worst part of this movie as far as like things that have held up over time in my mind. Chris. You are making geeks all around the world right now rage. (laughs) The the music sounds very early mid-80s. The CGI is very appropriate for the time. It was super cutting edge, but it hasn't held up super well. But like, how could it? It has definitely held up better than a lot of later edition CGI movies. It's still quite good as far as CGI advancements. And there's and there's a ton of practical effects, which we constantly talk about with these older movies. The more practical effects, the better it holds up over time. And I'm not going to, like, go down the James Cameron well because, you know, I'm not an Avatar fan. There's not a lot of movies he's done that I haven't disliked. Like, I, I like Titanic, fine. I really like Aliens. I really like The Abyss. I love Terminator 2. The original Terminator... I think this far exceeds and surpasses the original Terminator, even though the the original Terminator is still iconic in the sense of the, that neo 80s look and feel and everything feels really gritty. And I think that's the thing about these movies. Once we get past this sequel, it goes CGI heavy. You have a scene with Arnold where he rips off his skin and this, this robotic arm looks so real. Like you could reach out and touch it and feel all the blood and what he was able to do is amazing with those kind of effects. He is a visual auteur. I don't disagree with that. I I think that Zack Snyder had some of that in his early days as well, right? Just both guys that really know how to put a frame together and don't know how to tell a character story. Look, maybe, maybe I'm just bringing nostalgia into this. This is the first rated R movie my parents ever let me watch. I I bought a lot of Terminator 2 magazines to understand how they did the CGI and the effects. And like, I I was terrified of the T-1000. I'm still terrified of the T-1000. I think Robert Patrick is brilliant as the T-1000. Yeah, he was great. But I gotta say, like watching this as a story, it's cohesive. All the pacing is amazing. The action sequences hold up to me. Arnold is never better. And yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll jump on the Edward Furlong like he was a little off. But I just find everybody else is just on every cylinder great. I can't believe you don't like it. Like I I, I really am with the movies that we have in common and we like. Like, I mean, come on, man. I mean, I'm not going to say James Cameron's great, but True Lies, like he's got great action movies. The guy's the guy's awesome. I didn't dislike Terminator 2. I just didn't anything Terminator 2. You didn't anything Terminator 2. And th- you've seen it many times. I definitely didn't see it when it was new in theaters. This was probably the third time I've seen it. Third time. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm never going to convince you that this is a work of art. I don't have strong feelings of hate towards this movie. It just doesn't do anything for me. Even the stuff I don't like doesn't ever come together in a fully formed enough fashion for me to be like, that's a movie I hate. It's just a movie I don't anything. Agree to disagree. <laughs> And it's weird because, like, my favorite movie of 2019 is Alita, which he wrote. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful. It is. It does a lot of very stereotypical James Cameron things. There's a ton of dialogue as exposition in that movie. And we all know that that's the thing that I hate. But it did so many other things so well that I can forgive it those flaws. It was so much fun. But I never got into the fun of, of Terminator. It just, it was never fun to me. It was never fun during this watch. It was... Was, it was just always kind of there and and it just never did enough to me. I didn't care enough about any of the characters to get invested in what was happening on the screen. All right. <laughs> I stand by this is a perfect movie. Perfect. There's barely any problems with this film at all. I think the only thing I can say negative, I'll give it a negative. Sometimes the writing comes off kind of pompousy. The narration is, it's a little cheap because it disappears for so much of the movie and then appears back and I kind of am like, oh, was that little ha Linda Hamilton at the beginning of the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. What? Oh, right. Uh, she's narrating this piece now? So I feel like that's a little meh. But for the most part, like, God, this is such a good movie. On a rewatch, if you can try to take nostalgia out of it, like, what did you appreciate about it this time that maybe you didn't appreciate on previous watches? It was all Sarah Connor because I'd recently watched The Terminator and she's so a hero, uh, a damsel in distress. And the 180 from The Terminator to Terminator. Look, I don't watch three and salvation and I've never seen Genesis. My Bible for the Terminator is the first and the second. Watching this time her character being so different than that first film where she needs like Michael Bain to like just save her over and over and over again. The transformation that she makes and they do go into, you're right, there's a lot of exposition about what has happened in between the two where Sarah has basically become this killer, just trained herself in a different way where she is a constant survivalist. And the scene where she's going to kill Miles and then doesn't and breaks down, like she makes a choice. It's not like they stopped her. They were coming to stop her, but she still made that choice as her character. I thought that was pretty rad. And that was like a standout for you on this watch? Yeah, like all of Linda Hamilton. Was, was a standout this time around because of recently watching The Terminator again. She's so meek to go from that to, the, to what she is in this, which is a force, is so 180 from each other, and she pulls it off so well, I think. If Dark Fate wins or, like, is good, I think it'll be on the, on the heels of her. I don't disagree with that. I think... This, this franchise has seen a lot of success when both her and Schwarzenegger are in them. Yeah, I mean, Sch Schwarzenegger in the new Terminator to me is like, who cares? Like, like I'm so, I don't care anymore about him. I, I want to see Linda Hamilton kick ass. But maybe you don't want that, Chris. 
maybe in your world of action movies, you don't want a kick-ass character <laughs> blowing away machines. No, I, I do want that. That is a thing that I want in my life, but I want it in a context that I care about. I feel like the stakes are so high in Terminator 2. Like, they sent Terminator after a kid. Like, the first one, she's in her 20s. She's an adult. She's living alone. But th- they sent him after a kid. Like... He needs looking after and to get the Terminator from the first one who was the baddie showing up to help. Oh, God. It was just stroke of genius. Okay. Here's an interesting twist. Uh, Because of everything that you have now just said, I don't think I've seen the original Terminator. And I wonder if that's why I'm not invested in this second one, because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about with, you know, the character development for Linda Hamilton and stuff like that's stuff that you and I talk a lot about outside of this podcast as appreciating about storytelling when it becomes bigger universes like this. It's something we really appreciate about what Kevin Feige is doing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where we get character development over multiple movies because they have the ability to do that. So maybe I would care more about Lyndall Hamilton and, and John Connor if I had spent any time with them previous to the time period of this movie. But like, I'm not sure that I have because the, the, the plot that you're kind of describing and and the stuff that was happening in the movie where they were kind of talking about the time between the movies. It's not stuff that I remember having seen on film. So maybe that's the disconnect for me. Maybe it's just that I didn't get the first part of the story. It's possible. I mean, I really like the idea of the first one where it is full on just a soldier trying to save Sarah Connor. There's this unstoppable Terminator trying to kill her. And it's very scary because you get it. Like, These are just people. But then in this movie, it's machine against machine. Yeah, and that's, I think, the thing that that makes me care less is machine versus machine isn't interesting. But machine versus person is interesting. And they go into the dogs and all that. Like, there's a lot of little subtle things in the first one that do carry over for the second one. But the most important thing is the change between Sarah Connor in, in the way she is in the first one to the second one. Mm. And to me, this this go around, it made the movie. I'm really happy that you enjoyed watching it. <laughs> hey, look, Dark Fate could suck tomorrow, but you know what? You can watch Terminator 2 instead. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, and listen, listen, don't give our podcast a negative rating because uh, because Chris here didn't like the movie, okay? Oh, uh, that's fine. Just just wait until we start talking about Star Wars in December and we both <laughs> all over The Last Jedi. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. We saw a thing and talked about it. On November 14th, the guys talk about Charlie's Angels, released in 2000. We Saw a Thing is hosted by Jake Kennedy and Chris Shapcott, produced by Shapcott's Media. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review in Apple Podcasts.